Hello and welcome to Priority Roll, an Age of Sigmar podcast from sunny England. Join us as we discuss the ever-changing character of wargaming in the mortal realms. Grab your D6 and get ready for the Priority Roll. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Priority Roll. My name is Dan and today I'm joined by Russ Veal of Facehammer to talk about the South Coast Grand Tournament 2020. Welcome to the show, Russ. Uh, thanks for having me. No, not at all. Thanks for being on. This is this is a strange little uh, kind of, um, I don't know, it's like the circle of life. I remember my Age of Sigmar journey starting with listening to Helen Hammer and Facehammer. So it's weird to now be interviewing you on my podcast uh, about an event that you two are both running. Yeah, it's, it's cool, really. I mean, it's like the ultimate thing, isn't it? I mean, I remember when we went, we were at Firestorm 4s and you and I think Joe Purcell were in the lunch queue behind me and like, oh, hey, I'm Dan and all that. <laughs> hey, I'm like, a super fan. And I was like, oh, he's introduced himself. He's normal. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like staring at his feet, like, you know, like uh, no, something. No, I know Dan had someone come and talk to him while he was having, he was in a urinal. <laughs> it was like... Uh, how funny <laughs> uh, know your time know your place yeah <laughs> exactly so uh yeah so we're going to be talking about south coast grand tournament and uh that is an event running in the uk on the guess where south coast of england uh and we should probably just find the dates for quickly slide over the pack sorry the 18th and 19th 18th um, and 19th of april or indeed the 17th 18th and 19th of april as yeah the, as the 17th say. is like the unofficial turn up help us put the boards out and then just chill the play games and drink so it's not it's not an event date per se, but yeah, 17th is... I think every single time I've attended South Coast, I've always tried to get there as early as possible. I remember even like went to Dan Helan's house to like help him like carry the boards <laughs> from his garage and stuff. We appreciate that. We appreciate that. Well, no, I it think... is, logistically, it's a bit of a nightmare for us. It was. It was like me, Dan and Wade, and then we met up with a few people at the venue. And like, I don't know, I just I just enjoyed being kind of part of help, helping set up because I th- it's because I couldn't stay late and i know packing mm. uh, people pack up at the end of the uh, at the end of the games because it's yeah. it's a it's not a gaming center it's a it's a, a venue that you hire and i knew that i couldn't stay late so i thought do you know what i've got the day off i'll just go a bit early do that yeah we've always been really fortunate to have like people in the community who, who are warm weather to get their uh get their hands dirty so to speak to help set up pack away so we were super appreciative of those people and uh you know the hydras a long long running club that used to used to come come down and without fail help us and greg dan kind of directing traffic so uh yeah we, we we get awesome support from people so we we really appreciate that from our gamers so russ in your own words do you want to describe what south coast gt is yeah sure so the south coast gt came about because um me and dan were going to events and we were quite keen and we were like, why don't they do this? Why don't they run an event this way? Oh, this is this is cool, but this is a bit frustrating. And we just thought, well, what better way to lead by example than just run our own? So the South Coast GT, it was a combination of the GW Grand Tournaments stopped running. So they, they did away with all the heats and the final um, for quite a long period. So we thought we would do one in the South called the South Coast Grand Tournament. Um, our aim was to get as many people in the venue as possible. I think we were aiming 120, roughly the same numbers you had at a GT. And eventually we found a way to expand out for um, to have 200 as our capacity. So we wanted lots of gamers. We were probably focused on competitive play. Um, we wanted to also fix some of the issues that the game had at the time with balance by taking the top off. So it became more about not just taking Demons of Chaos or whatever the new hotness was at the time and and, and running the same Kairos list. So we wanted to shake up the, the, the meta and encourage uh, a little bit of left field thinking and... Um, throughout the years the events evolved as our kind of wants and needs have changed so as the event pack so as the focus so we've kind of mellowed out as we got older a little bit <laughs> we were probably a bit keen to start um and um we decided that the best thing to do whenever you run an event and it's something that i know steve said when you interviewed him is run an event that you want to play in you're running something that you would want to be part of and that would then inspire people to run events similar and then that's great because if it's running on the same pack or the same ethos and that's an event i want to be in then that's an event i can attend so 
the idea was to run an event to say this is this is what we think would be good attract if we could attract a big audience then say other tos might go hey they've done really well maybe we should look at what they're doing and take some of those elements and then um that provides you with events to go to yourselves that align with what you want to achieve from an an event exactly and um, we always hoped there would be a north gt or a east gt or a welsh gt following the same grand tournament ethos and then the 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 masters is almost like the final kind of thing you know the the you know i know there was an attempt uh by a co back in the day to do like a a free heats and a final system but it's very difficult logistically to do that um so yeah that's basically it in a nutshell brilliant and so I've only ever attended uh, Age of Sigmar versions of SCGT, and that's certainly where I want to focus on. Don't want any of that square-based nonsense on this podcast. Um, So, sorry, sorry, mate. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Your experience has no value here, Russ. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, when I first attended, I had to bring pieces of terrain. I had to play six games. And uh, and there's also a story behind the pack. And I note that those three things have changed. So do you want to kind of run through why you've chosen to go with five games, uh, why you've not got a background narrative to this event now, and uh, and also, yeah, I guess big shout-out, not not really a question that one, that one about terrain, but um, uh, ben, a shout-out to Ben Curry from the Bad Dice podcast. He's providing mats and terrain, isn't he, for the event? Yeah, so we, um, we have an arrangement with... Um, Ben, where we we basically we we pay for that we pay him for that so it's uh, but it's um it's much appreciated i mean i think the problem is with the logistic problem of running the event is that actually to get a hundred boards worth of terrain we just don't have the storage or the um the sort of the the place to to have that just for that one event a year um so for us it was a little bit difficult because we we don't have like you know, I think um, Wayne's garage was full up with all the boards at one point, and then he got a leak, and we had to replace half of them. And so we didn't have a storage really. Um, and then they would have to be painted, and it's quite a big outlay. So what we what we did is is for that obviously as as a tournament gamer because it used to be quite a normal thing for independents. There was a lot of events where you would go and bring your own stuff because you know that they're, they're just they're not at gaming halls they're not at gaming venues and i think now that you get a lot of these events run at um places you know which have terrain like element or firestorm or warhammer world players don't expect to have to bring terrain so we we tried to find a solution and one of the ones we looked at was what if we just get our own set um and cost wise and logistics of it it just wasn't really doable um without have us taking like a major hit one year um so we just decided that actually if someone's already got the stuff why don't we talk to them and thankfully ben's been like we, we, we we're quite good friends with ben and he comes down and he's more than happy to oblige so uh you know we give him a bit of remuneration for his time and effort and the fact that he's had the outlay and and you know he he provides the boards that and the players ultimately get a better experience um, in terms of six games to five games, that's new this year. Um, we, I think, in the back of the day, we used to run five games. We went to six. It's one of those weird things. Everyone always goes, "Oh, you know, um, six games." Oh, are you about to use the phrase two winner, a true winner?" Because that's no, <laughs> that's um, what I've heard. The in defense of, of six games, true well, winner. The amount of place, players we we had, we'd have to probably have like eight games, really. Um, and what we decide, what we had is we had this. We with South Coast, we always want to have a clear cut winner, and we want it normally want it to be the best player. So we we were like, well, how do we do that? Um, and the the problem with Age of Sigmar was the separators, but with the agendas and that, and there's other mechanisms we can use now. So actually, rather than reliant on major, just majors or major victories and trying to get through enough rounds to get to a true winner the separators of hidden agendas become more relevant so we actually decided that we've got a way to get that separation without having more rounds and actually because of the way the game has gone three hours is kind of like the what you need to get a round done um for some armies so rather than have two and a half hour rounds or two we always used to have two four five which i think the normal was like two 215 or 230 and we've always tried to go the upper end of the time limit 
but obviously to squeeze in an extra 15 minutes a game that that actually adds 45 minutes onto the day and we're conscious that we're on the south coast so anyone who comes from you know midlands up has got a long commute yeah i, I mean, mean i'm i'm fairly fairly south as it is and it would st- i'd still get back super late anyway after a so six game event we decided to just i just said to dan i said look this year why don't we just do five we've got we can have longer rounds we've got the separators people can get off early and it might encourage more people to come because we've seen a little bit of a drop off in numbers recent years so we just i just said to him like that's one of the things we could do which would um you know which might encourage more people to come so and because it wasn't going to hurt the integrity of the winner we thought it was a good thing to do um, so why why do you feel it's necessary to put three hour rounds in or rather not necessarily why do you feel that? why do you think the game has developed to mean that you need three hour rounds i think it's it's writing itself a little bit now um with some of the newer battle tomes and things but some of the the way you get to a result is a little bit convoluted and long-winded so like You'll take when you had armies like pestilence for example um obviously before like the war scroll change or you know um daughters of cain and you're like so i roll 120 dice i then have to re-roll 30 or 40 of them then i have to roll those again then i have to re-roll 50 or 60 of them and then you have to then roll all your saves and then i have to then roll re-roll my ones then i have to roll my extra save then i have to take my models off then i roll my dice and then you've got other things you like i've rolled 100 dice i've got to take all the sixes out i need to re-roll the ones i now need to separate the re-roll to wound take the sixes out to wound they become double damage you roll those save separately and it just takes a long time to work out a combat whereas like when you play like a computer game you go you click on the thing it fights and it tells you the result it just does it for you so it's almost that calculation of of of, of, of result of that fight takes time um and you say newer books are addressing that to an extent how so. how do you think games workshop could improve that kind of flow that process well, obviously, um, I'm, I'm a playtester, so I, I have a bit of a window into the back end, so I can't really talk too much about that. But um, for me, obviously, the, the, the things like re-rolls and effects on sixes and things like that can be can be streamlined because you know you you can you can get to the end result by just just having like rather than hitting on fives of a re-roll just hit on threes you know stuff like that so i think um i think there's a conscious um effort from people in the process to think oh this this is this is a bit a bit slow or a bit kind of like unengaging because while someone's rolling the dice to work out how many saves you got to make you're not you're interacting at all are you just watching um so i think it's stuff like that is uh it is has kind of crept into the game um so i think you know that's something that we're conscious of when we test i think you can see that the games workshop are looking at that and the playtest team you know yourselves and, and the gw playtesters and, and the rules designers are looking at that they're, they're conscious of it they've they've almost the game has developed naturally into this point and they've gone oh actually we're not quite sure we like exactly where we are so let's try and naturally bring it back in to sort of realign it slightly and you know, turn the ship slightly rather than just kind of completely change it overnight which you which you can't because of the number of battle no. tomes and stuff like that so well it's, it's 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 light touches and it's learning from experience and listening to feedback and you know the it's not going to be a, a you know a handbrake turn into changing direction it's a it's almost like an oil tanker slowly steering its way you know it's kind of you know it's it's nice and gentle and 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 you know it's not right this is right handbrake turn around this corner right and the other way and the other way you know it's, it's like you know, bit, on, on kind of like age of sigma twitter sometimes i sometimes feel like the world's like, ending the world, every day like everyone's hat like it's almost like you're doing a, a 360 like four handbrake turns after another and ending yeah, up back the just same way donut in around the book, <laughs> screaming that's that's the uh that's the current at the moment isn't it so, oh dear yeah so much so, so much fun <laughs> but you know what I'm, you know what i'm trying to say i know what you mean yeah yeah absolutely light touches not not kind of knee-jerk decisions and and slowly changing the game for the better as i said earlier um, we run an event we want to play in. So I've gone to plenty of events and I play like I've played with Nighthorn, uh, Bloodbound and things like that. And and to play in two and a half hours, the time you have to actually be human to your opponent goes away. If you're playing an army like that, you've got to be really, really on it. 
because you know that you need five rounds, particularly with Nighthorn. And if you don't get there, then there's a bad feeling because you're like, well, I would have won or they would have won if we played on. And then what do we do? Oh, let's have a conversation. And it's like, actually, I just want to get to the end of the game so we don't have to have that conversation. And I, but I also, when I play a game of Warhammer at a tournament, I like to talk to my opponent because yeah, Warhammer is a very social thing, isn't it? And when you play an army and you've got to be like, you know, to take the extreme example of like cutting ruck, where you've got to have like two trays before your dice in sets of 10 and you've got to like tron the board. Like you you see the matrix of dice and you're just looking at the dice pool and you see these yellow and black spots just flashing across your eyes and go, oh, and then you're like, you're not interacting, you're not having fun, you know, end of the day. So I, I as a gamer, make conscious decisions to take armies where that is at a minimum, if it possible. So my Nighthaunt, not that I say they're bad, but for me, I didn't enjoy using them. So they've gone away, kind of, you know, and I went to Legion at the Gash and I kind of tried to incorporate big things and not have lots of units of troops. Um, and that's why I never really ran the 30 Grimgas, which went 20s. You know, I try to minimize my units. And that's why with like my Bone Reapers, I don't have 70 more tech. I've got 220s because I don't want hundreds and hundreds of models that I've got to like use because I know that that's not engaging and that's slow. Um, so for me, if I go to an event with three hour rounds, that takes that opens up my possibilities of things that I can play. And have you got any tips for players wanting to take an army like you know Nighthorn or Horde, Pestilence, that kind of thing? Um, well, there's lots of stuff. Is be on time, have all your stuff ready, uh, be efficient, be con- be be conscious of the time. Um, explain to your opponent look, you know my army takes time to play I'm going to try and be as quick as possible um, and what I would say to people is you have to sacrifice your thinking time um, so if you're one of these people that likes to analyse all the decisions and take your time then don't play that army you've almost got to instinctively know what to do uh, through practice and repetition and um, I know I played one guy in an event and can't remember his name but he had the most interesting technique for his dice rolling I've ever seen, where he had like a he had like skeleton hordes, so he's still a death rattle army, and he had the little GW pots of dice. And his way of rolling dice was to tip them up on the table and rub his hand over the top of them. And, that would do it. and he went, That's the hits. And then puts them back in the pot, and then does it again. That's the wounds. And you're like, Okay, that's weird, but it's <laughs> you know, and then, you have you have randomly generated a side of a cube. Well, essentially, that's what he, said. he said, "Well, I'm not. I can't manipulate them. I'm not looking at them. So, you know, they've been randomised. It's not. It's just. It just for me, it was like, oh, yeah, that was a roll. All right, okay, that was it. <laughs> so, um, I'm gonna go test you, that out on the table after this podcast. Yeah, as long as you've got those little dice, it actually works quite well. Um, but I, for me, I was interesting. And he he'd made a conscious decision that to play that army quickly, he needed to take that step. And there's other things you can do, like you could have um, your dice arrange two dice trays. You roll one dice tray into the other. You can just go when you roll your wounds rather than your opponent counting their dice out. You just say, roll those, please. You just roll my dice. You're right to share because that speeds the game up. Oh, yeah. When, when someone's got, you know, when someone's doing a couple of wounds here or there, I'll just use my dice. But when someone's done like, you know, 50 hits, goes to 25 wounds, goes to, you know, 20 or 10 something, uh, you know, saves, I just pick up this dice. Yeah. And you always say, do you mind if I just re-roll? Do you mind if I roll those? And then once yeah, you've right. established that your opponent doesn't mind you picking up his dice for saves, then that just shaves off like, you know, minutes of the game yeah, overall, yeah. doesn't it? Overall, yeah. And sometimes so you, that's all you need, isn't it? It's just those few extra minutes because it, when you look at the back end, when you're at the back of four and you're like, oh, there's like 15 minutes left. So you're like, oh, I reckon we can get two seven minute turns in. That's fine. But when you're yeah. like, oh, there's only eight minutes left. Can I, yeah. do, can I do a turn of four minutes, you know? Yeah. And I think sometimes as well, you, you when you run out of time and you start to make mistakes. Um... Oh yeah, I'm awful for it. I, I once I start rushing, and that's why that's why I stopped playing pestilence because once I start rushing, I start making more mistakes, and I'm fairly like. <laughs> You and I were talking about it at the beginning of this podcast, actually, offline. It's like one of the things I want to get better at is is the process, yeah, and the, the mechanics of the game. So make less mistakes during the game, and I'm I make enough mistakes as it is, forgetting things and like forgetting to destroy mm. things, and at the end of the movement phase and doing things in order. And that's something that I'm actively trying to improve. But and I, when I think, I'm short for time, that just goes to pot. Yeah, and, and I think there's lots of stuff you can do. Like Tony's a good example of of the. Um, the, the sort of the methodical bookish type way of doing it where i have cards for my spells i have tokens i have a process of doing my hero phase i write everything down 
you know etc style because he then doesn't make those mistakes because and what he's doing is he's he's giving himself the best opportunity to avoid making mistakes by changing the way he plays the game and that's not about decisions he makes that's the process of playing the game that's what do i take how do i mark this what's my process for marking wounds what's that and being clear about it to his opponent and that gets rid of a lot of the discussion gets rid of a lot of the errors and then he can focus on the tactical decisions which would determine win or lose rather than focusing on did I roll enough dice or, or where's that token or, or what spell did I have or did I get that buff off? You know, so. Yeah, it no. makes sense. And then going back to the narrative, this yes. is the first year you've not done a narrative scenario or kind of narrative backbone to the event? Um, yeah, to a point. I mean, we we always had like a theme for the when we did AOS because because of the, the state. It's probably the wrong word because of the, the way that AOS launched and there wasn't a match play competitive structure to pick up games even um it was put your models on the table and and sort of you had divisions of people bashing the gash against sigma making pew pew noises but um you know there wasn't really that structure of how do you go to go to a club meet someone and go hey do you want a game do you want to play this many points right cool do you want what scenario do you want to play let's play this it was like very bare bones so we obviously went to a couple of events and they were quite low represented and we were thinking what is going on so um one of the things we introduced i think it was seventh edition eighth edition event we introduced the coolest army as well and um we always used to get a group of people come that um we're all about like a bit more about the hobby a bit more about the narrative and we thought well how can we include something for them um which also um doesn't impact the match play element and that's been successful and unsuccessful in different years and we won't talk about malign portents but you know um so uh, what was it was there a, was there a vocal a vocal a little vocal minority <laughs> vocal that, minority that, that, that didn't like our event for using two different scenarios from a match play legal play tested thing that that was fine um so we we just went okay um let's come up with a story and let's try and like encourage people. And, and because I had to write the scenarios, I had to write the points. I had to write, you know, the structure. Um, I just said, well, why don't, while I'm, while I'm at it, I might as well just write a story that fits the, the event, the games. And because the AOS was a new world and a new thing, and I was getting the big, um, realm gate war books and I was trying to get into the background and cause the old world had been blown up. So we kind of thought, well, we need to establish what is Age of Sigma, what is the background, what is the to encourage people to get into it. So put a bit more effort into let's write a story, let's get let's have a have a theme, let's you know let's go from the uh, the altar vizier and the tenth chamber and all of this and 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 you know it worked quite well. And but the fundamentally, I think the world's well established enough now that we don't need to do that. There's plenty of you can get your own narrative stuck from just the battle tomes and doing your thing anyway you don't need us to create something for you to get infused about i think it was really just about trying to catch as many people as possible to keep age of sigmar going and that, and that might sound a little bit arrogant but it just for us it was the we went to a couple of events and we had a bit of a conversation we went we need to do something here so we we tried a broad brush approach and i think it worked quite well and i know some people really enjoyed that and i would love to do it keep that element going but we always said that it's an event we want to play in and primarily I'm a match play player. You know, that's what we do, match play. So with the match play being in such a structured place and being so popular, we don't need to appeal to the narrative as much. There's other things out there that do and, that. And you know. also there's a there's also a uh, enough of a following of people that joined the event, kind of joined the kind of South Coast scene, let's say, and will still want to come back based off the fact that it used to be narrative and they know that it's not this kind of horrible, like, you know, full of whack players, that kind of thing. So they'll still come to it, even though it doesn't have one, because you've created that environment based yeah. off your previous years. And to be honest, with most narrative players, they create their own. Yeah. Yeah, Steve they create a great example, narrative. isn't it? Yeah, and, 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 you know, the coolest army's there to encourage the competition element between the stories. But basically, people create their own stories and they, they, they there's almost like a never section of gamers in the hall that are, that are there with their stories and they're there for that and they're welcome and match play players are welcome and they can interact and play and and have fun together and that's fine and we don't i said like you know with things like the you know the the other events out there like raw and that that, that do focus more on the narrative or war have achievements we don't need to invade that space um and but those people still come like you say so i think 
I think for me, it's just literally the effort of of trying to shoehorn a semi-narrative thing into the match play element to is is a lot of work, honestly. Um, and so it's not necessarily adding anything to the event. Um, so it was easy to kind of just focus more on our on our kind of our historical stuck, which is competitive gaming. So talking of gaming itself, on the scenarios, you're randomly determining uh, prior to the event or game by game? How does that work? Usually, um, so what I've done here is I've taken my face hammer approach. Um, so I think before we published the event, these we had a list of like 10 scenarios with 10 realms and, and or, or eight or even, because that's how many there are. And then we'd roll a D8 and stuff like that. And, and to be honest, I think what I do normally is on in the morning before anyone's drawn against each other or anyone's played or i don't know what armies are doing what i roll all the scenarios there's no there's no maliciousness in it there's no i don't want that army winning or i don't want that person oh, doing dan's well. brought his pterodons again so i'm yeah, gonna put in a, a total, total commitment <laughs> and although it might seem like a complete because because to you guys what i do is i roll them look at the scenarios and go are there is there a good spread of scenarios and there might be ones i put in based on the meta that i think i really want to if a player is playing a certain type of army they might need to struggle with this mission so if if you um play in fire slayers and all the missions all the objectives are blobbed in the middle then obviously that's a very easy event for you so i roll the not that i go so and so is playing the army so i don't want them winning it's not like that i roll these scenarios randomly I look at the order, the sequencing. I might change it. If I rolled something like Star Strike, Gift from Heavens, Knife to the Heart, Take and Hold, and Better Part of Valor, I'll look at those missions and go, Does, is that an event I want to play in? Probably not. <laughs> so I would probably keep the crux of that. So probably, you know, I'll keep Star Strike and I might do this and that and I might move them around a bit and I'll roll a couple extra ones. But at the end of the day, I want a nice mix. So it's not... It's random, but it's but intelligently with random. With a bit of intelligence behind it, but it is done before anything's happened because it's not. I don't want people to think I'm reacting to the te- what being drawn against what. Yeah. Because at Face Hammer, there was a bit of a oh, you're playing this mission, and obviously that's because I've got this army, and you don't. And this and this. And this. No, they rolled <laughs> yesterday morning. People just love a conspiracy, don't they? They love yeah. a drama. And they're like, the pack is random, and it's not really random. I said, well, it's random yeah. to you. Well, you it's, don't know. It's randomized. It's random. Yeah. yeah ignorance is bliss and all that so maybe i should have just kept said yeah we rolled it randomly totally. <laughs> on. But, too late um, mate you said it on, lo- said on the it air now <laughs> so i think that's what we'll do just um, usual usual priority roll disclaimer of um don't take the rage out on the podcast take the rage out on the individual so uh yeah. oh man <laughs> cheers Russ. Remember that. unfortunately like when it's when it's everyone on the show is part of the show it's hard to do that uh, so uh but uh, you know end of the day they're they're random enough um the the, the basic the, the point of that is you could play any of them yeah i think that's you know that's the, you read the intent behind the random bit that that you that of all the scenarios out there they are they are going to be randomly generated somehow uh and then what about realms how are you incorporating the malign sorcery and, and malign sorcery not portents because i'm conscious that that's uh you know some people might still be still be reeling from still i don't want to get another email no uh, <laughs> the, the the malpo dice would come out in in uh oh, malpo dice can get in the bin i love them what I've, symbols I've, on sixes and ones yeah no just no skulls are ones and the six is the sign of death and they're gold and black who doesn't like these dice oh, i know lots of people um, but <laughs> No, sorry, I'm, I'm digressing. Um, what was the question? <laughs> so, how have you incorporated malign sorcery into uh, the event? So, um, can I use that term? Probably not. Um, so, there isn't really. Um, you take the artifacts, um, spells, no, realms, no. Um, honest, honestly, it's just another layer of rules that add a little bit, but don't really... Um, I don't... I think you get gotcha moments, like you play as a mission. I, I mean, I did it to people playing at like blood and glory and you're playing in like the realm of shadow and they're, they, most people don't even like read or look at it. And they like, then suddenly you teleport your, your unit into the back of their back of their deployment zone and charge them. And they're like, what on earth is going on? And you're like, Oh, it's realm of shadow, man. It's yeah. Like, especially for newer like, players. And they're like, well, what do you mean? You've just bridged your shadow, like 12, six spirit hosts into my army in my deployment zone. And you're like, it's, it's shadow, man. And it's like, this doesn't feel good, you know? 
um, or, or you know, you you play against that matchup, and they're like, "Oh, it's a really bad matchup." But I've got Inferno Blades. Like, <laughs> you've got like Nagash running around with like incandescent form, Inferno Blades, OBR. You know, imagine more tech guard with Inferno, Inferno Blades on them and stuff. I'd like rather that. not. <laughs> exactly, and I, I think there's enough in the game. You don't need that extra layer, honestly. Um, the artifacts are enough. And so I yeah, talk, talk, are... talk about artifacts. What made you decide that you wanted that extra layer in? Because uh, some armies don't have them. So if you play, if you play um, like mixed destruction or mixed order or mixed chaos or or an older book that i mean it's not so much now because a lot of people have got their own battle term their own artifacts but there was a time when a lot of people didn't have artifacts so you kind of had to have it because if you didn't there was some allegiances that just like well i don't have anything now why are you doing this to me you know a good example is like legion of grief and stuff like that you know you, you go well actually they've got a very limited selection and i don't know i think it's um i, I don't mind so much those artifacts i think it a lot of armies you see now don't really dip into them as much as they used to, um, but I still think they're good. And, or they uh, they dip into the same the same ones. Same one, yeah, yeah, maybe. But I don't know. Like when I write lists, I tend to stick to my arm um, my battle tone. Um, so like my OBR, I never even look at the the malign ones because they've got so many good ones. So I just don't need to deviate out. Um, and, and so, how does one win South Coast? How does one become the South Coast Grand Tournament champion? Um, you win your games, and you'd be nice. There you go. No. Um, <laughs> so obviously it's five rounds, and it's still like you still have the major objective in the mission. But then the other thing we've done is taken the ETC style agendas, where you you put two agendas out, um, and you before the game, and so as your opponent, you flip them over, and you've got to achieve or deny them, um, and that gives you the the sort of the the extra score. So there's five points, I believe, again memory that is available for non-scenario based points so you've got the agendas for four points so if i got two you didn't get yours i'd get four if you got two i got two i'd get two points you get two points you know that kind of thing so it's four points is shared then the scenarios were 15 points and they're shared it might be 14 but anyway there's a it's a period of points it's it's 14 because there's also kill points in there one each for either way isn't there that's it yeah and then there's two points for kill points so um it's killing a thousand or or keeping a thousand alive i believe yeah, so head. destroying a thousand points of your opponent's army one TP, losing less than a thousand points of your starting army one TP, mm. and you've you've even helpfully given a few caveats. So, yeah, uh, to calculate kill points, please apply the following: the points value of all units destroyed, the points of any war score battalion in which all units have been destroyed, the points value of any endless spells or prayers not on the table at the end of the game, and if your opponent purchases a command point and you've destroyed their general, then you get that 50 points. Yeah, so effectively you should be able to get hold of the 2,000 points or 1990 or whatever people have spent um, in some way, shape or form. Obviously summoning you don't get any points for because it don't cost points, so it's literally just their starting army. It's interesting, actually, because you could, let's say you were on a certain number of points and they had like a, let's say you're on like 880 points and they had a 100 point wizard and you only had the last turn. You're like a desperate to try and get the uh, those extra points. You think, mm. well, if I kill a wizard, I'm only getting 980. But actually, if I kill a wizard, he can't then cast a spell the next turn. So it's not going to exist on the end of the table at the end of the game. So yeah. by only killing that eighty point thing, I'll get one TP yeah. rather than try to grind through a you know a, a unit that you know you're not going to be able to kill. And suddenly, if you've got an army that you've taken eight endless spells and there's some nullification terrain on the table, you'll be like, oh man, this is this, <laughs> this is like don't Feels move bad. near the terrain. You know, uh, I don't know. I think um, it's to encourage, it's to try to like get people to not be too extreme in their list building with stuff like endless spells as well i think it's uh, it's not a massive difference that makes sense those those two points could make a difference and then the the scoring is going to be tps then agenda points then strength of schedule and then kill points yeah fantastic and then you sportsmanship is that being incorporated into the tps or is that a separate award it normally is in face hammer there is still sportsmanship awards um and like all caveats we we reserve the right to penalise people if there's slow play or there's nastiness going on. Um, people can come and speak to us if there's a problem. We generally don't have issues. We've had some stuff in the past where people have um, 
been caught dice cheating or you know some behavior we weren't happy with but we deal with that as a as officiating team um and we will penalize people if we think it's uh, impacting the event the integrity of the winner or the um the kind of uh, enjoyment of others we do we do tend to catch things mid-event we want to look at stuff and if they think there's a problem we'll take someone to one side and have a word and as long as they adjust their behavior then you know, it's fine. We don't, we don't slap arbitrary penalties. You know, we've, we 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 will warn people first. But it's just a, it, it just because there isn't points into the tournament scoring for sports doesn't mean you can behave um, in a bad way. So, we had it one year when someone was being a bit keen, and we had to take them to one side and say, look, just can you just calm down a little bit? Because I know you're excited and you're doing well, and but can you try and win in the right way, please? You know, let's let's not let's not go down that route. So um, that's generally what we do. We, we try to be reasonable about stuff. But yeah, sports is, you know, subjective. And um, I know that a lot of gamers, there's, it's, it's one of those age-old debates. Do you get points? Do you not get points? Um, for for Facehammer, we do have points, but it, it's more a separator than a, than anything else. So as long as you're behaving, you, you're not gonna. It's not gonna matter. But if you behave really well, you might you might you know become above someone who's won the same amount of major victories as you. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, that so it's makes not sense. A, you're not going to jump somebody. So if someone's on four majors, you're on four majors. You're not going to jump above them, but you you you'll, might you'll, you'll finish above higher. them. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then for painting, that that can affect your your score. So painting, there's twenty five. Um, so the yeah so basically you've got is the in again like we it's this is the face hammer pack basically but what i did is i took out the points for um getting a nomination so there's no painting nomination points like we do at face hammer so basically this is just is your army painted is it cohesive and has it got extra effort now the extra effort thing is basically there as a mechanism for us to if somebody's been very literal with free colors it's painted to min standard and it's cohesive it gives us a way of saying it you're technically right but you're 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 being a bit cheeky so it's it's a way of saying well you're not really doing it for you're kind of minimum standard borderline and and actually you've not put any effort in and and you know it's clear so for us, that's just a mechanism we've got outside of the the sort of the very literal things to to affect the score if we feel we need to. So that's why that's there. So if if you're someone like me who isn't necessarily the world's best painter, I don't need to be worried about like my you know ha- concerned about that my bases aren't above average and you know concerned no. about the level of freehand on my banners and that kind of thing. Because extra effort is is relative to the person doing it, so it's not like. Oh, you've not you've not pushed this into like almost award-winning standard. It's it's your army's done and cohesive, and you you've you've tried to paint your models in a way that you know that is it's very hard to describe. You're not you're not taking the um the proverbial by yeah, I'm with you. I've sprayed it white. I've I've dipped it in like ink, and I've put two colors dotted on it, and and it's like the latest. Let's film. not. Let, well, Russ doesn't need to bring my pestilence army into this. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, do you know what I mean? Like you're not. <laughs> but e- even if you have done a concept army and it's done with a little bit of love, care, and attention, it's fine. But you know, it's it gives us a mechanism that says, "Come on, that's not really on, is it?" Hmm. Um, and again, it comes back to if I play against that person would that bother me yeah and would you would you be in a position where i've been at, at uh, an event before where i've looked at it and be like oh well i spent a lot of money on this hotel slash ticket slash petrol and a lot of time making my army look nice and this person hasn't done that so am i going to reattend this event if it continues to be like that mm. and you know you, you, we try to encourage people to take a bit of hobby pride and, and I always say, I know Wayne Wayne doesn't agree with me, but I always say that when you paint, you compete against yourself. So every project is a journey and into your becoming better or doing something new. Um, and I think the the whole point of that is to say, look, you know, you do care, and it's that care really that 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 is about. It's not about oh, you can highlight really well, or you know, you've you're you've blended a cloak or you've put a free hand on it's it's you just take a bit of pride in what you've done and you care about your army and you wanted your models to look nice and you tried your best you know and that's 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 all it is fantastic if you've, if you've gone i want to take the latest army and i don't care about hobby and i've just chucked this stuff together and this guy's not got an arm on him and these these horses <laughs> don't have riders 
you ain't getting those points. <laughs> Fair one. Yeah. Talking of painting, that segues quite nicely into the fact there's also a, you know, kind of separate from the event, the, the gaming event, there's also uh, quite a prestigious painting competition, isn't there? Yeah, we it's something we, we introduced um, in the last mm, maybe four or five years ago um, to try and, again, give another thing that people could, one, stick around the venue in the evening um, and two, have a bit of like something else to enter, something else to win, something else to do. Um, so yeah, we do we do a painting competition where we have um, five, um, so four categories. People could enter their models, and then we, um, you know, we we judge those uh, and we cut to a finalist, and then we will pick winners and we announce them at the end. And they're they're a uh, it, we get a lot of different entries, a lot of stuff that's just entered that isn't necessarily part of people's armies. You know, some competition and, and that's allowed, pieces. is it? That's totally allowed. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to be part of your army. I mean, we prefer it to be stuff that isn't, to be honest. Like you're just not just chucking your units on the table. It's it's okay. I've I've actually done something to a painting competition level. Um, not everyone can do that, and so we don't. You know, and again, it's it's just a, a nice way of showing off your your stuff that may not be Age of Sigma related. It might even be a tank or you know a blood bowl team or something like that. And um, what we tend to do is we'll pick a winner from each category and then there'll be one that wins overall. Um, kind of best in show. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And um, we we tend to uh, try and give the best in show. We won't also give them a category. We sort of take them out of the running and give them the prestigious award rather than, oh, you won this category. <laughs> I can, imagine, I can so. imagine that's very uh, tense for someone that feels like they've done very well for like a single miniature and then they don't win or get a nomination, uh, they don't get a shout out yeah. on the Hero of Sigma. And then there's that awkward like, do I be arrogant enough to, do I be pr- proud enough to think that I might have won best in show or am I just disappointed that I didn't win? <laughs> Yeah, and, and it is a subjective thing. So we, we we're all we sort of class ourselves as good level painters. You know, we we've won multiple best painted army awards, and some of us have have, have done stuff at Golden Demon and things like that. But no, none of us are like um, we we think we know enough to be able to judge it. You know, and there is a subjective element of. You know, if you paint a, a really cool Nurgle champion, that's going to appeal to me more than if you've painted a, a an elf. Um, sorry, it's just I'm more into evil stuff than good stuff. So, uh, you know. So but there it's... we go. Top tips being given out by Russ right now. <laughs> if you wanna, if you wanna be in for it's a chance to win, me. enter the Nurgle. <laughs> if you paint a Skaven model, Wayne might look more unfavorably on you. I'm just saying it might happen. It's a fix. Um, so, so what you're saying is Skaven yeah. Pestilence is like the way to the way to gain the system. Yeah, but Dan's there as well. What's so. Dan into? Well, that's a question, isn't it? He's kind of been a bit MIA. But, uh, when, ah, you, when you find well, out, well, you know. he likes Seraphon, doesn't he? So actually, yeah. Escape and Pestilence would be the the kind of the the opposite. So you've really yeah, copped this pack quite well because yeah. <laughs> uh, one assumes he doesn't like Escape and Pestilence because of the kind of you know natural enmity between those two factions. But the bias there isn't enough to if you are if you if it's just if you've got two very very high level things the the what the what you chose to paint might make a difference. Yeah, but it, it's subjective, but. Again, we try. We don't allow something that won a previous year to win. So eventually, Graham Shirley will run out of models for Facehammer. I'm sure. But, um, <laughs> also, uh, he lives. He lives quite far up north, doesn't he? So he can, yeah. he's not going to come all the way he down south. He won't come to south coast. So this one's open, guys. You know, this is the chance. You've got a chance. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we run this at Facehammer as well, so it's uh, it's similar. Um, Brilliant. So, and then you, you, we kind of skip past. We, although we did mention the coolest army before, you've also got two kind of in event awards for one for best army and one for coolest army um yeah so the 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 sort of from a painting point of view um we like we've actually got a a one two three best army and a coolest army so there's four awards but yeah the 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 best army is what we class as technically painted with overall look with that's more about the execution of the paint job um and the the overall look and feel of a force plays a big part of that you know so your color scheme your display if you've got display board the setting um how you've presented it how you've painted it the composition so if you've got multiple levels of heights you've got it's not just like 800 really painted nicely painted night goblins or sorry uh, moon clan grots it's um you know um it's got levels it's got a bit of a bit of everything it's got good color choice it's been laid out in a pleasing way so there's all those elements that go into best army the technical painting weighting is higher than everything else um so you know it 
it, we tend to try and award the best technically painted force. Um, coolest army was sometimes we'd get a lot of armies in and there's just that army and you think that's so cool but technically it's not the best but it's really cool and i really like it so coolest army is our nod to the nod to the crazy narrative you know you know brigade whatever they want to do um so if you want to dress up have a musical board with lights and smoke and you know everything you can think of army in a wheelbarrow you you had me at musical board yeah so um you know whatever it is that's our award to say you've gone to the effort of putting disco lights in your board and having a smoke machine that that's cool but you know it's uh i tend to i tend to prefer things that fit the aos background um you know i don't really want to see marvel comics ogres but then if that's the bestly executed thing that might win you know but you know it's uh it's uh, it's just one of those things you don't know what what what's going to grab you at the time and it, it it's um it's just a award to say we really like that but it's not a best painted army for the from a technical army point of view but it's wacky and it's cool and it, it really just it rings with us it resonates with us and we don't know what that's going to be until the day so it's, it's like surprise us basically we're looking to be wowed and that's the that's what that award's for is to say yeah that that's really cool that's one of my favorite bits of the event is looking at all the armies especially the ones that people are kind of going up for coolest because you know steve always pulls out the bag doesn't he and you've also got you've got a little uh matt, triumvirate matt of, one year. yeah matt yeah well you've yeah. got also matt and buckles are both going for it aren't they yeah so this year is going to be um there's a there's a bit of a trio of uh of, of tryhards for the coolest <laughs> but they, they're kind of turning it into a bit of a uh like a bit of a, a meme aren't they they're like they're like yeah we three are all going for it but like doesn't mean that one of those three is going to win it it's just I'm waiting for somebody completely out of the group yeah uh, like Gilmore or like Rob Ellis turns up with their like sneaky project that they haven't told Matt about and Matt's like what is this betrayal Absolutely. disrupt the <laughs> so, meta disrupt just, the uh, coolest time, army meta guys. I'm just like, laying that seed now you've got time <laughs> brilliant well Russ thanks very much for joining us um, is there anything you'd like to add about tickets and stuff like that um, or, or how to get in touch with you I would just like to say that uh, tickets go up today which this i don't know when you'll release this probably after today but we've got 200 player capacity you can go to facehammer and look at the south coast gt post you can go to tga look at twitter um at um hedon hammer or at facehammer or at russ underscore veal and there'll be a tweet or a announcement or you can just say how do i go um please come we'd like to get close to 200 players again um and hopefully everyone will come and have a wicked time so really looking forward to the uh, the event and the and hopefully you guys like what you've heard want to come along want to join um if you've got your feedback let us know we always try to listen to people and then tell you you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, yeah. <laughs> Russ, thank you so much for for coming on. It's been a pleasure having you on. I guess uh, all that remains is to ask you our our two questions that we always ask every single guest as they come onto Priority Roll. So, I if you could you protect, there's a reason you asked me. It's a trap, isn't it? <laughs> it's, 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 it's a trap. The whole the whole show has been leading up to this moment. Exactly. Exactly. If you could protect one thing about Age of Sigmar and never have it change, what would it be? So, let's say uh, the game's been re- rewritten from the ground up for version three and you could only protect one thing the rest of it's going to be completely different what would that be and then if you could only change one thing about editing and the rest of the game is going to stay exactly how it is forever what would that be so the thing i wouldn't want change is petrifix elite because i love obr and the thing i'd I'd want to change is uh change host and (laughs) they beat me no i'm kidding i'm kidding um no (laughs) so the thing i would um I, i'm not going to use like the cheesy the community and the guys that play but you know that is like a big thing but i think if i could protect one thing about the game mechanically it would probably be the double turn um i think it's a unique selling point for age of sigmar and it it creates the excitement those moments in the game where you have that ebb and flow and i think no other war game really does that as effective as that that priority role hence the name of the show Boom. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Russ, there's um, actually i should have said there's actually a rule and you're not allowed to use that so is it really yeah so many people have oh. said that and and as much as i'd loved everyone saying like we just love the priority role um 
I thought that's why you called it this. So no, if only. No, no, no. <laughs> everyone some, thinks it's like some sort of like montage where exactly. everyone's going. The best thing about Age of Sigmar is priority role, and then you like you just cut words out. Oh then, mate, you've just said it there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's gonna be quote. That's gonna be the beginning of the. beginning of the podcast. Where, like Daily Mirror said, the Daily Star <laughs> says five stars. It's that kind of thing, right? It's uh, Ross Veal, um, member of the Faithful Games Virtual Playtester, says the best thing about Age of Sigmar is. I can't pick that. Really? <laughs> you can't pick that, yeah. Wow. Okay. That's difficult then. I don't it's there's there's so many good things to the game. Um the one thing I would try and keep in terms of integral to the game, not change. Um honestly it's very difficult because I think anything in the game could change. Um what I wouldn't want to change is the engagement with Games Workshop on match play, as in that they there is a match play variant of the game and they do look at competitive play and there are updates there are faqs there are balance fixes i think for me playing back in the old days when that wasn't there and the community had to prop it up and you had sort of you know even like game designed by committee in a way in some some instances like etc i think the official handling of that is the greatest thing about age of sigmar from a games workshop product point of view that's completely unique to um AOS War, Warhammer in the history of Warhammer is pretty unique. Um, and I, I'm not saying what nature that would take, because obviously that, that might change how they, what mechanisms they employ or what, what they do. But obviously there's quite a deliberate um, communicated method where they have a two-week grace, they do an FAQ, there's a, a Christmas update, a summer update, there's a general's handbook. I think that's great for the game, and I, I wouldn't want that to change. Um in terms of you know then then having that care and attention on the uh, on the match play element of the game. Yeah, I mean it seems fitting that the first South Coast that I went to it was I guess it was South Coast Comp, wasn't it? SCGT Comp. It was uh, yeah. something that you designed yourselves with with the the likes of Dan Helen and and I know that the Facehammer team got involved as well, and it was based off it, you know you had input from Mo Comp as well, and it seems fitting that that was my first South Coast, and now you're here on Priority Rule talking about the upcoming one where that isn't needed and hasn't been needed for for several years and that we're in such a strong position in terms of you know games virtual community engagement and their responsiveness to things that are broken an overused word but responsive to things that do need tweaking or adapting or or fixing in the case that things do need fix i think there is a lot of you talked about handbrake turns earlier, but there's a lot of very vocal frustration at times at the game based on snapshots. Yeah. And I'm not saying that uh, sometimes that isn't justified when th- things do need changing or fixing. Because um, I, ha- I think there have been ch- uh, there have been times where, you know, things like, for example, like the warp lighting vor- vortex, um, what the, the rules were rewritten for that. Um, mm-hmm. That's one thing. But we have to be careful as a community because everything is so instant these days. You can t- type out a 120-character tweet and then and post it, and then that's your opinion. Go. And then sometimes you mm. look for ways to... You look at the, the scene and the scenarios and the, the meta, and you've stated your opinion publicly. So <laughs> to avoid climbing down from that and realizing that maybe you were wrong, you look for things that justify that opinion, and you ignore the evidence that suggests otherwise. Yeah, I think the the nature of instant opinion blurting out of stuff online you get very knee-jerk reactions i think for me i I don't like it when people deal in absolutes um and i think only a sith deals in absolutes uh, yeah exactly and i do like the sith though (laughs) but um i find find the whole online stuff a little bit tricky because because sometimes you know it's easy to get swept up in that sort of stuff and actually so a point I made on the show I haven't released yet actually that um, if something makes you go back look into your battle tome to find a solution to a problem it's a good thing I saw a tweet by Chris Myhill that really resonated with me um, about the, the, obviously the heat and, and stuff what people were saying about that I mean we're, we all, all the, the faithful and, and the, the people at GW they all see all this stuff but, you know so but we're not it's not going to be a oh my god let's let's just blow whichever way the wind's blowing let's just go with it because you need to have a bit of stability because otherwise it would just be chaos and i think the um just because you shout loudly and, and often doesn't mean that's going to get more weight than anything else you know 
So um, I think it's it's tricky um, and actually kind of brings me on almost onto the point I'd love to change about Age of Sigma. <laughs> Excellently segued. Um, we're, we're two pros at this, mate. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think for me, the, the thing I'd like to change, and this is at the moment, and it's nothing really to do mechanically in the game. I will talk about a game mechanic. Okay, so one game mechanic I'd like to see changed is endless spells in that you're not restricted to one dispel. So if you if you want to give up four of your cast to dispel four endless, go for it. You know, I think armies that rely on blocking with with spells, I think, are not a good thing. That's my opinion. Um, I don't think that's an enjoyable game for the other person. And I think only being able to get rid of one of them is a problem. We, I was talking about it with on, and again, another unreleased episode um, with Chris Caves Jr., who just won the Heat One. Mm. We were just talking about Duplicitous Host and the Palisade, so an unretreatable yeah. thing against mm-hmm. with a with a blocking end of spell. Yeah, I mean that's that's not fun, is it? No, it's not. It's like back in the old days of Seventh Edition when you'd put your eagle at your skirmishing unit with oh, one man. I was just man. about to say you put an eagle at a funny angle and like, yeah. show off my my square base <laughs> knowledge. Uh, that's why I, I changed to a more obscure one, which was the skirmisher retreat rule. So you, you'd screen with a skirmisher, and it was the closest skirmisher, which was the one right on the extreme end. And then you, you get that gotcha moment. Ah, oh, gotcha! You got to go this way, and then you, you, you just table them in two turns because you go in overrun and take everything off. I think the, and then you've got a combat army, and you never fight combat. I think anything that's like fundamentally just stopping things doing anything in a way that there is no answer, there is no way around it, is is not a good thing. Um, so that's from a game mechanic. That's one thing I don't like very much. Some people love it. Some people love the whole you know control aspect of the spells and all of that. And but it's just me personally. It's not for me. Um, the other thing i just change i just like to do you know like it feels like some people have turned up to 11 on social media and i get that people are passionate and they care about the game but i just like to dial it down to about an eight so you know it's trying to get people to when you're going to send a message or put a tweet out take a second take a deep breath read it again and go does that really put me in the best light what am i trying to achieve by by doing this and i just think the um the online community could be a nicer place if people did that. So that's the one thing I've seen creep into the AOS. I don't say the AOS community at events, but the AOS online perceived community, I've seen a lot of stuff creeping over the years, and I'd like to see it dialed back from 11 to about a 6, <laughs> to be honest, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think... Uh... That might be a bit controversial, me saying that, but... It's interesting because it's important for people to remain engaged and to be able to engage 100%. in in debate. And, uh, and I don't think I don't think certainly you're not saying is that you can't have differing opinions and you can't necessarily you know you don't have to agree with everyone. I think there's a way, and it's something that we've tried to do on Priority Roll at times is constructively criticise things and constructive criticism is great criticism is good because how do how else do we improve exactly and i but i think it's not what you're saying it's it's how 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 you're saying saying it it. yeah agreed and i I think i just i just think people need to have a little bit more care about the way that they they put the tone because it's text right so you read it and you put your own neurosis or 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 feelings about over it just just take stock and think you know you wouldn't stand in the middle of a gaming hall and shout some of the stuff that you're tweeting that that's how you people should treat it it shouldn't be a well i'm protected behind my phone or my computer so i can just blur out and actually I, it's not even constructed to war gaming to be honest it's it's most things but i i i stay away from twitter because of that and and you know that's you know and i actually want to engage with people about the hobby but it actually puts me off looking at it because it it, it just it's just negative and it makes you feel bad and you're like why do i why am i making myself feel bad and you carry this thing in your pocket i'm getting very philosophical now sorry carry this thing in your pocket that you can look at instantly and feel bad oh i want to feel bad i want to feel bad i know people say oh you can block and all the rest of it but then you get people who see something and they share it with you go oh have you seen what so-and-so's just said i'm like i i don't want it i love this hobby this hobby is something that like i do for fun fun. i don't i don't want to you know be in a position where the thing that i enjoy for fun is becoming a negative impact on my you know well-being yeah 
if I read a message, I'm not saying it all has to be apologistic um, positivity or, or like, you know, like spewing rainbows and unicorns. But I mean, I'm, I'm more than happy to listen to constructive feedback. And I quite like debate the people that discussions people have. But there's no need for the, the way that people have been talking. I'm not talking about everyone, but some people. And I just think... If you're listening to this and and you you you're active on these things, it's just just go back to your feed, have a little read through what you've said to people and what you've said out loud, and say does that is that is that putting me in the best light? And if you think that's fine, that's fine, carry on. But I'm sure some people might look and go, mm, yeah, maybe I should be a bit more um, mindful of the of what I put out on online. I can say that like like because I've just been around the block and I've been there and done that to be honest. So it's not it's not out of some higher level of of, of me going one well, better than everyone because i don't do that it's just that back in the day i know what i used to things i used to say to people in, that, in the community when i didn't agree with them and you know i've dialed that right back down but it's you know i think it's just it's just a disappointing thing that shouldn't need to be there in my opinion the hobby the hobby and the community is is one of the you know you said i'm not going to say it because it's almost too cheesy but one of the things you'd keep is is the hobby and the community and the people in it and i think it it's important that we that we go forward and always believe that rather than having kind of divisions in the t- in the kind of community 100% one of the things uh, i think i just say at the end of priority role i'll just say like you know thanks for joining us goodbye and then press the press the play button for the music but one of the things that i say on the back end of my 40k podcast is i always wish people happy hobbying because this hobby is is a source of you know release and escapism for so many people and is a a source of happiness for so many people so you know i guess maybe you know let's let's all hobby in a happy way and let's you know doesn't have to be as you say doesn't have to be sunshine and rainbows all the time but uh but let's let's do it in a kind of conscientious way and, and do it with with decorum Exactly. And, um, you know, if that wasn't a bit a bit too uh, preachy, then hopefully we can just move on and just, uh, in, yeah, well, happy hobbying. Yeah, happy hobbying. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Priority Roll. If you want to get in touch with us, we're at Priority Roll on both Twitter and Instagram. You can send us an email, priorityrollpodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to anchor.fm forward slash priority roll and leave us a voice message. If you want to leave us some feedback, we're always looking to improve. Or if you just want to suggest a topic to talk about on one of our upcoming shows, then feel free to get in contact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, thanks for listening to Priority World. The best thing about Age of Sigmar is Priority Roll.
the best thing about Age of Sigmar is priority roll. 